Hello, this is Ben Ashmead and welcome to the King's Place podcast. On this latest edition, we look at the London A Cappella Festival 2014, which celebrates its fifth year. Offering a jam-packed schedule of diverse programmes, workshops, talks and free interactive events. One of the many highlights is the London debut of the House Jacks. Deke Sharon has been behind the success of the movie Pitch Perfect and NBC's The Sing-Off, but this is the first time his ensemble get to flex its vocal muscles in London. He joins me on the phone to explain more. Are you looking forward to coming to London? I, I don't think your group has performed before. No, the House Jacks have never performed in London, which is quite odd because we've performed all over Europe and we've been going there um, for 15 years, multiple tours a year. And it's it's funny because maybe three quarters of my ancestry lines all trace back to England. And my last name, Sharon, is actually a restalling of S-H-E-A-R-I-N, Sharon. And I just love England. I love London. And I've wanted to perform there for so long. And finally, the opportunity has come. So I'm gloriously happy. Is the music from London and the UK important to you as well? Well, the music from London and the UK is, was seminal in shaping American popular music over the past four years, but even more so in our own writing, because almost everything the House Jacks perform is original. We write our own songs and have been doing that since the group got started uh, 20, 20 years ago. However, during a section of our show, we take requests from the audience and they yell up any song, any artist, any style, and very often they're British musicians involved. In fact, I'd, I'd say probably the most frequent request of any song is Bohemian Rhapsody. So <laughs> we've, we've done Bohemian Rhapsody and straight ahead styles and punk rock and death metal and, you know, anything. So, so yes, I would say that England has had quite the impact on our career. House Jacks, where did it start from? A, a group of friends coming together? Well, I started the group right out of college when I was a music director of the Tusk Beelzebubs. I really wanted to do pop music that was on the radio. And back then, acapella was very bleak club. It was very shooby doo kind of like, you know, late doo-wop style. And uh, there was a particular song, In Your Eyes, by Peter Gabriel, that I loved. And, and I saw it just climbing back up the charts. I knew it was going to be a huge hit. And there was just no way I could arrange this song that, that would make any sense for a, kind of a traditional four-part male collegiate acapella group. So I was going to the New England Conservatory of Music at the time. I pulled out some orchestral staff paper and really just started scoring the voices as instruments. It turned out I had five different people doing different vocal percussion lines and overlaying voices like strings and synthesizers and 14 guys in the group, 14-part arrangement. And the rest really is history. Um, the college acapella world started um, following that style of music. And when I graduated, I wanted to create a professional group that would really do the same thing uh, with a designated vocal percussionist and really be a rock band without instruments. And uh, the rest is, as they say, Aka history. We've, uh, we've been going strong and uh, have a lot of fun. And there are many, many groups around the world now that have uh, a vocal drummer in their lineup. I 
basically what's happened is popular music has changed since the 50s, since uh, the turn of the century, 100 years ago. Bottom line, acapella has been, first of all, it was the, the earliest music, and ever since it has been running in parallel to different forms and styles of music all the way through. You look at madrigals, some of them were sacred, but some were secular, and they were very body back in the Renaissance. You look at barbershop music around the late 1800s and early 1900s in America, and they, these were guys that started actually as an African-American tradition, and they were just improvising or part harmony around popular songs of the day. You look at the doo-wop tradition around the 50s and 60s in America, and those were guys standing on the street corner, writing songs, jamming on songs, making up harmony in, in a place with, with good re, you know, acoustics, and then often those groups were grabbed and put in the music studio and instruments added. So when we're looking at contemporary acapella now, it's really the same thing that's been happening throughout music history. The only difference is the style of music has changed and rhythm and percussion has become so central, so instrumental, if you'll forgive the pun, to what's going on in popular music. So for an acapella group to properly replicate many of the things that are going on in uh, popular music that's on the radio, you're going to want to use your voice in non-traditional ways. And the most obvious of those ends up being vocal percussion. But frankly, when you hear someone singing a vocal bass line nowadays, it's very much informed by an electric bass. When you hear the background textures, it's not, it's not just vocal percussion, but it's all of the parts that are influenced by and um, driven to sound like and create the textures of current popular music with instruments. Is that the most fun thing to do or, or the hardest thing to do? <laughs> well, I would say the hardest thing to do in, in a five-part uh, acapella group is to be singing one of those background parts where you're jumping around, you're singing low fifths with the bass to create these kind of low power chords, and then you jump up and you sing a high trio thing in, in, in consort with the, the lead vocal, and then you jump back to a synthesizer part, and then you're singing some, some trumpets and horns. But... By, by the same token, often vocal percussionists are doing a cool combination of straight-ahead beatboxing and drumming and buzzing their lips to create low tones and singing a little inner line that's happening or, you know, tagging down on the fifth of the chord. And you'll see in the house jacks, we have not one but two different guys who are world-class vocal percussionists who both switch off and do a percussion in the background parts, singing lead vocals, and while they're beatboxing, doing some cool, intricate vocal lines and extended vocal techniques at the same time. Have you ever had someone who sort of come up to you and said, where's the tape recorder? Because I'm sure that to a lot of people, it sounds you're producing are, are, are virtually impossible. Not only... Uh, nowadays, it's actually much better because with Pitch Perfect, with the sing-off, with Glee, people are beginning to get the idea like, wow, people are really making these sounds with their voices. But when we got started 20 years ago, I, we'd have fans who would go stand by the soundboard the entire show waiting for a, like a secret button to be pushed like this can't be real and and like after the show going backstage and peeking behind curtains to make sure they're like okay where's the drum set or where where's this big electronic box that must be triggering all these sounds which of course always made us laugh and uh we're just we're glad now that uh, people better understand what's going on in contemporary acapella and, and with our music so they're able to sit back relax and just enjoy the music Summertime And the living is easy The fish are jumping 
there's a sense that maybe 10 years ago young people wanted to you know be rappers and, and rap was the ultimate way of kind of expressing yourself but looking at the uh, pitch perfect it, it, it seems now there's a there's a wave where strangely i wouldn't have guessed it acapella seems the way for a lot of young people to to really find a musical voice you know, I think that's partially true. I mean, everybody has an inherent desire to sing, which is why shows like The Voice and American Idol and all of these shows, not only in America, but around the world, they're so popular because people love to sing and they're, and they're living vicariously through these individuals and they sing in their cars and they sing in their showers. But I think there's, there's something that's broken in our Western tradition where... Uh, of course, everybody sings in choir in kindergarten, but then by the third grade, you're kind of like, you know, Jenny, you've got a really nice voice, and Mike, maybe you should be doing more sports or whatever. And then pretty soon, it's Pavarotti on stage, and he's got a great voice, and everybody else should be in the audience and shut up, which is not the way that music has been throughout history. All of our ancestors, aboriginally living in the tribe, at the end of the day, they'd, they'd gather around the, the campfire, and they'd make music. And I think we've lost a lot of that in our culture, and the beauty of acapella is that it gives people an opportunity to recreate that sense of community, that sense of bonding with each other, and the, and the sense of the sum being greater than the individual parts when they're singing with their friends, when they're making great music, and the contemporary acapella style with vocal percussion, with instrumental textures in the background, um, allows them to create music that's exciting and compelling and fun, which is why these college acapella groups in America, they're like rock stars on the campuses, and which is why Pitch Perfect, which is a tiny little indie film, that wasn't necessarily supposed to do anything has become a huge box office sensation around the world and was the best-selling soundtrack in America of 2013. And the movie came out in 2012. I'm interested quickly, while on the subject of the film, how did you get involved? Well, the the book itself is actually a non-fiction book following three different college acapella groups through kind of a year in the life. And it's fun and it's funny, but it's, it's definitely nonfiction and it's not, there's no fat Amy in it or anything like that. When Elizabeth Banks and her husband, Max Handelman, decided to create a production company, the first thing they did was option the book, Pitch Perfect, and they tapped Kay Cannon, who writes for 30 Rock and, and other great comedy shows, to write a script kind of loosely based on that book. And within the book, there's a chapter on me and the kind of history of the college acapella sound and the starting of the Contemporary Acapella Society of America. So I was certainly flattered when Liz called and said, hey, listen, we're just getting started with this thing, but we'd love to have you be involved in it. We need some expert advice as to what's going on. And uh, the first conversation I had with her was basically to say, listen, I know first and foremost you're making a comedy movie, so it has to be funny. But at the same time, at the end of the movie, if you're not cheering for the Barton Bellas and and the audience isn't out of their seat loving this music and really impressed with what they're doing, the movie won't work. It'll all fall apart. So basically we'll both be able to make fun of this acapella and at the same time celebrate how awesome it is, which I think we did in the movie. Well, one of the things you're uh, involved in at King's Place, uh, you'll be running a, a workshop. I'm interested to know, do you, do you reassure them that you, know, you don't have to be pitch perfect? The fact of the matter is there are about three tone-deaf people on the planet. Um, I, I mean, obviously, if you're mute or you're, or you're deaf, you're, you're not going to be able to sing acapella. And people who are tone-deaf actually can't differentiate between different pitches. So when they're asking a question, it wouldn't go up at the end, but they would kind of talk like this, like a robot and have no tone to their voice and pitch. Everybody who says they're tone deaf is not tone deaf. They're just not experienced at singing in harmony, which isn't necessarily easy, but it's the same as basketball. It's imagine handing somebody a round ball and saying, throw this ball and get it through that hoop up ahead of you. If they've never done that before, it's going to take them a little bit of practice before they're able to do it with any regularity, but everybody can do it. 
And not everybody's going to be Michael Jordan, but that doesn't mean that they can't have fun playing basketball on a Saturday with their friends. Acapella is really the same, the same thing. And that usually gives them all an opportunity to kind of breathe a sigh of relief because there's so much almost fetishism towards perfectionism in our society and culture when, in fact, the best music and the best art really is almost about imperfection. It, it embraces the human experience, which never is perfect. And, and, and the emotionality that comes with somebody really opening up. Do you still get surprised at the reaction that a performance can have with a member of the audience? Of course. I, and it happens after every single show. People will come up and say, I've never experienced anything like this. Or, or this is the most fun I've, I've had all year. Or my, my husband and I have been going through a really hard time and, and we came together and we just laughed and we had fun, and you touched us, and this, and this meant so much to us. And acapella is just not as popular as huge rock bands, and unbelievable, super-produced performances. And yet, if we're able to move people a little bit in their lives, make their lives better, and, and, um, and enrich them in some way, that's really what performing's all about. And uh, so that's why I continue to get up on stage. What have you got planned for, for, the, for the show in London? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to try to take the audience on a journey. We really do focus on our own original music, but stylistically our music can be very different. So we'll have one song that'll sound like an 80s rock tune and another song that feels like a bossa nova and another tune that's, that's a heartfelt ballad and then another song that's a power rock song. And then we'll open it up to the audience and say, basically, what do you want to hear? And, and let them kind of steer where the show goes. And at the same time, the energy within the house jacks, we're very much, it's, there's almost kind of like a rat pack vibe between us. We joke with each other on stage. We tease each other on stage. We have a lot of fun and laughs. And there's not a lot of pretense. And that is, I think, also enjoyable for the audience because when one of the guys in our group will step up and start talking to the audience, none of us will know what he's going to say. And, and we just kind of let the show go where it goes which is increasingly rare in our, like I said, overly perfectionistic society. It's one of the things acapella does well, just kind of being real. Are you looking forward to the fifth year of this festival, this celebration of voices? It's pretty special. It's more than pretty special. It's unbelievable. When you look at a group like The Real Group, who are world-renowned for their incredible precision and singing and their beautiful artistry, the, the overtones and the, and the fantastic jazz chords and, and the warmth that they bring to that crystalline perfectionism. And then a great group like the Swingle Singers who are able to span so many different styles and have such an incredible history, you know, dating all the way back to when Ward, Sing, Ward Swingle was in the double six and it came out of jazz music, but now they soundtrack songs and labor tango and, and it's really just a fantastic group and the educational classes that are going on and the other groups that are singing it's it's really an overarching perspective into what's going on in vocal music and acapella today and that's why it's such an honor to be invited to perform as a part of this festival my last question if i if i was speaking to a guitarist or, or a piano player i might ask questions specifically about their instrument so i i, I was interested to know what do you do to maintain your instrument your, your voice in this case um <laughs> try not to make bad life choices i guess you, the, the thing is your instrument the, the human voice is more connected to your own overall health and well-being than anything else so, of course, I need to make sure that I don't get sick and I get enough sleep and drink enough fluids. But at the same time, I need to keep a balance in my life and, and make sure that I laugh a lot. And I spend time with my family and I 
and I see friends and I enjoy my art because I think it's possible to be a really great guitarist and just be burned out and sit on a stool in the back and, you know, play back, you know, backing guitar for Madonna on the tour on, on tour and no one will really necessarily know because there's not that much focus. You can't do that as an acapella singer. It's almost like every person who's up on stage is a lead singer at all times and people are looking at them and they're feeling their energy on stage. So I need to make sure that my life is one that is allows me to get up on stage and, and have fun and really interact with the audience to be fully engaged every time. And I think that's the difference. The House Jacks play Hall 2 on Thursday the 23rd of January at 7.30 and 9pm. Deke will also host a Pitch Perfect Unpicked workshop on Saturday the 25th of January at 11.30am. The rest of the festival features the likes of The Real Group, The Songmen, Slicks and the event co-creators, the legendary Swingle Singers. I'm Ben Eshmade and you've been listening to a King's Place podcast. For more details about these events and ticket links, please visit kingsplace.co.uk forward slash LACF 2014. That's kingsplace.co.uk forward slash LACF 2014. Thanks for listening.